Greetings, dear listeners. Thomas Gloom here. I initially read Brianna Morgan's collection, The Trick-or-Treater, and other stories before I even knew who she was. I simply thought the book had a killer cover and gave it a try. What I found was a range of horror stories that were creepy, atmospheric, and relatable. I've gotten to know Brie a lot better since then, and read more of her writing too. When I asked her what story she'd like me to narrate for this bonus episode, she, without any hesitation, chose The Trick-or-Treater. At the time of this recording, Halloween is right around the corner, and it just feels so fitting. So settle back and let this spooky story envelop you. And please, even if it's just a lonely jack-o'-lantern, remember to leave a light on. The Trick-or-Treater by Brianna Morgan Read by Thomas Gloom Moira kicked spilled candy corn off her front step, the remnants of another weeknight massacre, this time all in the name of a holiday. She'd stopped keeping track of the holidays. They meant nothing, just another day full of shit, another day without Norman in it. What was the point? She looked at the garden gnome Norman had polished every St. Patrick's Day. The ghost of an old conversation floated back to her as she picked it up from where the kids had knocked it over. Moira closed her eyes and savored the memory. It's a gnome, Norm, not a leprechaun. It's not his holiday. I know that. But don't you think what matters is doing it? Moira sighed. This St. Patrick's Day, she'd grab a rag and polish the years of grime away. So far, she hadn't had the strength. It was the day before Halloween, which meant she'd pick up trash all week, and if those damn kids tried their tricks tonight, she'd give them more than treats. Movement on the sidewalk, next to the mailbox, caught her eye. Riley stood there, all tousled blonde hair and sleepy brown eyes. His hand-me-down sweatshirt needed elbow patches. She'd see to that soon. Don't stand there gawking at me. Come on. She waved him forward, but he looked at his shoes. She put her hands on her hips. What's the matter with you? He's coming here tonight to get you, he said. She squinted in the morning sun. Who's coming to get me? The trick-or-treater. Riley said. He's coming here tonight. I made a deal with him. What? Riley never spoke in riddles. He wasn't one to loiter at the end of her driveway, either. Peanut butter cookies inside. Tell me later. No. He'll be here later. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Moira frowned. Stop listening to your brother. Come inside and have some cookies with me. We'll go from there. Without waiting to see if he'd follow, Moira headed back into the house. She went straight to the kitchen. The storm door slammed shut not too long after, and Riley pulled up a chair at the kitchen table. Moira carried the plate of cookies over to him. Up close, he looked like the same old Riley. All she saw was the haunted glint in his eyes, which he got from spending time with his older brother. After school, all he had was Taylor, until their mother got home from work. Retail was hell, 
Moira remembered. When Riley's mother got home, the last thing she'd want to do is scold Taylor for tormenting his little brother. Norman would have scared Taylor shitless, given the chance. He would have protected Riley. Norman had always been better with kids. Lots of trick-or-treaters coming here tomorrow, Moira said. So what makes yours so special? Why is he coming here tonight? Riley froze with his hand halfway to a cookie. Not trick-or-treater, trick-or-treater. Moira shook her head. I said that. No, like, hang on. He scooted his chair back from the table and dashed across the room to where the landline rested. There was a small pad of paper beside it, which he snatched up along with the pen before running back to the table. His brow furrowed in concentration. Sticking out his tongue, he leaned over the paper and spelled out the difference for her. T-R-I-C-K-E-R T-R-E-A-T-E-R He set the pen down and waited for her to read his writing. Moira shook her head again. He didn't know how to spell it. No or, he said. Tricker, treater. He's both. Something icy pricked the back of Moira's neck. She brushed her fingers over the spot and found nothing. Her gaze drifted back to the paper. He's both? Mm-hmm. Riley grabbed a cookie and took a bite. He devoured it, careful not to make eye contact with Moira. It was a sophisticated strategy for a seven-year-old. Moira leaned on the table and stared at him. Riley. He scooted his chair away. I gotta use the potty. Do you or do you not want to talk to me? She asked. He stuffed another cookie in his mouth. When he spoke, he sprayed crumbs everywhere. I don't want to talk about him. You mean the trick-or-treater? Yeah. He choked on the cookie and coughed. Moira grabbed a glass and filled it with water from the sink. She patted him on the back and slid the glass to him. Riley chugged the water and still couldn't stop coughing. Moira took the plate of cookies from him because no way in hell was he going to choke to death on her watch. Not if she could help it. You better head on home, Moira said. You'll worry your mother's sick. Riley scooted back from the table. Don't call her. She doesn't know. She doesn't know you're here? Does your mom let you stay home from school? Or did you play hooky? I... His eyes darted to look over her shoulder. Moira spun around. Nothing there. When she turned back to him, he was heading for the front door. Riley! I messed up! I, I messed up! She lunged for a sleeve and missed. He was through the front door and across the yard before she had time to try again. Damn it. What was wrong with that boy? He'd been in no hurry minutes before, when there was a plate of cookies in front of him. The minute she'd mentioned his mother, though... Moira sighed and leaned against the doorframe. Something was off with Riley, and she wouldn't let him out of her sight until she understood it. After a few minutes of eyeing each other across the yard, he returned to the house. Moira stood between him and the front door. 
Riley, please, tell me what's going on. He chewed his bottom lip. I don't want to. I'm scared. It never goes well. What do you mean, it never goes well? Every time I tell you it, I messed up, he repeated. Moira sighed. She was getting nowhere, and fast. Whatever he had on his mind, it upset him so much, he wasn't making sense. If she couldn't get him to focus, she would never figure out what was going on. And seeing as how it apparently involved her, she needed to know. Riley! Moira grabbed his shoulders and held him there, stooping to look into his eyes. Whatever you think will happen, I can face it better if you tell me about it, okay? His lower lip quivered. Even if it's bad? Even if it's bad. Riley gulped. The trick-or-treater is gonna stop by your house tonight. You gotta meet with him and do what he says. Or else... Moira quirked an eyebrow at him. Or else? He hesitated. Like I said, I've told you about him before, and he... He always catches you. Even if you run away, he finds you, and he... Riley's voice trailed off into a sob. Shiny, fat tears bubbled over his lashes and rolled down his face. Moira pulled him against her and wrapped her arms around him. Shit. She hadn't meant to make him cry. Jesus Christ, that was the last thing she wanted. Her chest tightened. It'll be okay, Riley. We'll figure it out together, all right? Riley pulled away from her and shook his head. I don't know. I'm older and wiser. Humor me, huh? He sniffed and wiped his nose. Moira debated getting a tissue for him, but it was too late. He was already rubbing the snot with his sleeve. As perceptive as the kid could be, he was still a kid. And he was gross. Sometimes she wondered what it would have been like to have children. Sometimes she watched Riley and was glad that time had passed her. You should run home now, Moira said. Even if you skip school, your mom won't be angry as long as you're safe. His gaze jumped over her shoulder again. She waited for him to refocus. He'd come there in such a hurry, and now he kept drifting away. The urgency had waned. That was good. Are you feeling all right? Riley nodded. I'm a little better now. No more getting upset over the trick-or-treater, okay? Hesitation, then another nod, a slow exhale. Okay. You want a few cookies to take home? You can share them with Taylor. Riley wrinkled his nose at the mention of his brother. He doesn't deserve cookies. I suppose he doesn't. Moira patted him on the head and went back into the kitchen. She eyed the half-empty water glass in its pool of condensation, the cookie crumbs Riley had sprayed on the table. She looked back at Riley, still standing there where she'd left him, and her chest ached. She flattened a hand against her collarbone. She and Norman could have tried a little longer. Riley? His head jerked up. Huh? You still want those cookies? Um, no thanks. He wiped his nose with the sleeve of his sweater again. I've never stayed this late before. I don't want to see him. The poor kid was talking in circles again. 
Better send him off to someone much more qualified. Moira propped a hand on her hip. Go on, then. Get out of here before I call your mom. And be careful tomorrow. Riley cast a long look at her before putting his hand on the doorknob. That was all it took? No fight? No begging her for cookies, saying he changed his mind? She should have insisted he'd take some. If he'd still demanded some, that would have been proof things were normal. Instead, Moira frowned at the back of his head as he walked out and left the door open. Moira tossed popcorn into her mouth and watched Bill Murray fail to woo Andy McDowell. There was no reason for the network to broadcast Groundhog Day on October 30th, but she wasn't complaining. It had been one of Norman's favorite movies. They'd gone to see it in theaters the day it came out, which seemed so long ago now. Without Norman, time dragged on. How had it only been a year since his death? Watching a movie she'd seen more than a dozen times soothed her ragged nerves. That the movie was itself a perpetual, familiar cycle was not lost on her. In fact, that was a large part of its charm, especially tonight, when there was so much on her mind. Riley's behavior had left her shaken and confused. Sure, he was a kid, but he'd always been perceptive and she trusted what he said. He usually meant what he said. At that age, it was rare for children to have ulterior motives. Whatever Riley thought would happen to her, it was worth considering. The trick-or-treater was coming to get her tonight. Moira's gaze jumped to the glow of the streetlight that permeated her closed blinds. Outside, the air was crisp. Inside, she was cozy. She drew the knitted afghan tighter around her midsection. Andy slapped Bill. Normally, the moment made Moira laugh. Normally, her nerves weren't wound up like a coiled stink. The chiming of her doorbell made her jump out of her skin. She jostled the bowl in her lap, spilling popcorn everywhere. Why was she so jumpy? It was likely Riley and his mother coming to check on her after their talk. Adrian was nice. She always apologized for Riley with baked goods and wine. When she wasn't working, she tried to come over for tea and to pour out her soul to Moira. In another life, they could have been mother and daughter. In another life, Norman might still be alive. Another ache struck Moira's chest. The doorbell chimed again, demanding her attention. She set the bowl aside and stood. Whoever it was, they were insistent. She doubted they'd go away if she ignored them. Probably some damn kids anyway. God willing, they wouldn't egg her when she opened the door. For their sakes and hers. She didn't feel forgiving. Moira crept to the door and pulled back the curtain on the window beside it. There was no one there. Puzzled, she let the curtain drop and stood on tiptoe to look through the peephole. No one. Moira stepped back. She flattened a hand against her chest. The doorbell chimed again. Icy dread stuck its fingers down the back of Moira's shirt. Her hand settled on the cold metal doorknob. After a breath, she twisted it and pulled the front door open. She gasped. The man, if anyone could even call the thing a man, 
stood at least seven or eight feet tall. It had to double over to fit under the awning of her porch. Pale red skin stretched tight over pointed features, most notably a bear skull. At least she thought it was a bear skull. Norman would have known for sure. Norman always knew. Coal-black eyes glittered at her as the thing bared its teeth, razor-sharp, in a smile. It wore nothing but a top hat, which it tipped before it spoke. I hope you were expecting me. His voice was low and smooth, like a jazz singer's, and she shivered. Moira supposed she should have fainted or had a heart attack by then, but once he spoke, all her fear disappeared. It was like he had swallowed it up with his words. Who are you? she asked. Riley didn't tell you? I'm the trick-or-treater. Would you mind if I came in? Moira froze with her hand still on the doorknob. What was she supposed to do? The trick-or-treater offered the illusion of a choice. Was it merely that? An illusion? Or would he let her decide how the evening would progress? Moira let her gaze wander over the creature's form again. He had the emaciated look of a feral dog, and the tightness in her chest only tightened even further. Nothing about him made her think he'd give her any choice. C come in, Moira said. The trick-or-treater kept his eyes locked on her as he stepped over the threshold and into the house. Moira swore he brought the smell of decay inside with him, but a moment later, it vanished. Rotting pumpkins, she thought. That was the smell. Moira gestured for him to sit on the couch. Eldritch horror or not, he was a guest. The trick-or-treater sat, bones creaking and popping as he did so. Moira tried her damnedest not to wince at the noises. She sat in Norman's favorite armchair and waited for the trick-or-treater to speak. Has Riley told you all about me? he asked. Moira paused. How do you know Riley? We made a deal. He's a special child, isn't he? Perceptive. Tenacious. The trick-or-treater flashed her another chilling smile. Fragile. The blood dropped from Moira's face. What are you getting at? The trick-or-treater steepled his long, bony fingers. It would be a shame if any danger were to befall Riley. If you could prevent such a tragedy, wouldn't you want to, no matter the cost? Moira rubbed the goosebumps on her arms. Don't you dare hurt him! We made a deal, the trick-or-treater repeated. He asked for money, so his mother could be around more often. I told him I could give him anything he wanted, such as money, for a price. The trick-or-treater's eyes made Moira's head swim. She broke eye contact. So that's why you're here? To kill me? She should have known this would be how she died. Norman, with all his superstitions and wonder of the paranormal, had died of a stroke in the kitchen. A nice, normal death. Meanwhile, here she was, about to be whisked away by a monster 
for the sake of a child's wish. Not quite, the trick-or-treater said. Well, only if I must. Moira's head snapped up, and she met his gaze again, even though it dizzied her. What's that supposed to mean? The trick-or-treater tapped his claws against the coffee table. Click, click, click. If you play by the rules, everything will be all right. The sinking feeling in Moira's gut returned. What rules? The trick-or-treater's unnerving smile also returned. Every game has rules, Moira. Do you want to play? Her stomach had dropped to her ass, and she didn't think it would resurface any time soon. Whoever this man, or creature, was, he wasn't going anywhere until he got what he wanted from her. What happens if I don't want to play the game? She asked. You lose. And what happens if I lose? Then Taylor wins. The trick-or-treater's smile tore across his face. And I take you away forever. Moira's throat constricted. So he wanted to kill her. Even if he acted like she had a choice, she didn't. Riley had already chosen for her. He had sealed her fate. But what did Taylor have to do with it? Taylor? She asked. To fulfill Riley's deal, I must receive a sacrifice. He had to present me with someone he loves and someone he hates to play the game. I balance the scales. The loser dies. Jesus Christ, what had Riley done? He's too young to make a deal like that, she said. You're taking advantage of him. I don't discriminate, he said. A wish is a wish, and I must grant it. You must play the game, or you will die. These are my conditions. What if Taylor and I both refuse? You only need to kill one of us, right? And you seem reasonable. You wouldn't kill us to prove a point? No. The trick-or-treater's smile twisted into... Something darker, more feral. Moira wanted to scream, but panic kept her gaze fixed on his face. With two refusals, I take the wishmaker instead. Moira gulped. You'd kill Riley? Kill is such a boring word for what I do. But yes, Riley would become the sacrifice. He steepled his fingers again. But you always have a choice. Did he think she'd let Riley die? She must have been Riley's someone he loves, which meant the trick-or-treater had to know she loved him too. She couldn't damn him. I'll play, Moira said. Wonderful. Let's go. The trick-or-treater snapped his fingers. Moira felt a tug, and the world went dark. The reek of iron pulled Moira from unconsciousness. Her eyelids snapped open, pupils unfocused as they sought the light. Only a spare bulb hung overhead, struggling through the shadows. A familiar teenage form swam into view, fastened to a chair by ropes. Taylor, 
A shadow skulked off to Taylor's left, and Moira's gaze floated over to it. A long, lanky figure broke from the blackness and formed a solid shape. Sharp teeth glittered in the light as the creature grinned. The trick-or-treater. He snapped his fingers again, and the light bulb shattered. Moira went to shield her face from the exploding glass, but ropes restrained her. The trick-or-treater had tied her down, too. A brilliant light enveloped the room, blinding Moira for a minute. The light faded to a ball that hovered over the trick-or-treater's head. It was small, but somehow bright enough for her to make out everything in the room, including Taylor. She looked back at the boy. Blood dripped from ragged scratches in his cheek and stained the front of his shirt. That must have been the source of the iron smell. Moira looked to the trick-or-treater for an explanation. He struggled, he said, so I had to be rough. But he's learned his lesson, haven't you, Taylor? Taylor groaned and twisted against the ropes. The trick-or-treater clicked his tongue and wagged a finger at Taylor. He froze. Think it's time for me to explain the rules of the game to you both, the trick-or-treater said. But no cheating. Is that understood? Moira still didn't know what was going on, but she nodded. Whatever game he had in mind, she had to win. For Riley's sake. She didn't know what would happen to Taylor, except that he might die. She'd cross that bridge when she came to it. Across the room, Taylor grunted. The trick-or-treater gave a wet, hacking cough. Moira watched it rattle his prominent ribcage. Had he not been so frightening, she might have worried for him. As it was, she wished the cough had been worse. The trick-or-treater pulled another chair away from the table. It scraped against the floor with a sound that bit Moira's eardrums. She flinched. He lowered his long body into the chair and removed his hat, exposing his shiny red baldness. I will now explain the rules, and I will not repeat myself. You both must pay attention if you want to win. I don't give a shit about winning, Taylor said. I don't even want to play. I don't give a shit about Riley. A muscle jerked in Moira's jaw. What an asshole. Did this kid understand what he was saying? That's not what you told me earlier, the trick-or-treater said. You agreed to play the game because you wanted him to live. Moira almost didn't believe it, but the trick-or-treater had no motive to lie. He stretched a hand toward Taylor, and Taylor's eyes widened. The trick-or-treater's razor-like claws glittered in the light. You'll play, he said. Or Riley dies. Taylor shut his eyes. Okay, okay, but please don't hurt me. It isn't me you should worry about. Moira swallowed a curse. As much as she hated to cooperate with this thing, it seemed they had no choice. If she didn't play the trick-or-treater's game, Riley would die. She wouldn't let that happen. What do I have to do? she asked. The trick-or-treater's smile widened. Moira withheld a shiver. 
Taylor flattened himself against the back of the chair, trying to get as far away as possible. Once I untie you both, the trick-or-treater said, putting his hat back on, you'll have fifteen minutes to choose a weapon and determine the sacrifice. Moira frowned. Kill each other? So vulgar, he replied. I don't want to kill an old lady, Taylor said. Like he even could if he wanted to, Moira thought. In her own way, she agreed. She didn't want to kill him, and she didn't want to die. But Riley couldn't die either. She'd do what she could, whatever she had to. It wasn't a choice. Where are the weapons? Moira asked. Taylor gaped at her. We don't have to do this! I detest idle chatter, the trick-or-treater said. Such a waste of precious time. Moira stiffened at his words. Did that mean they'd started? Were they supposed to get going? Why was she still tied up then? The trick-or-treater had said. A click of his fingers and her bindings dissolved. Fuck. She had to get moving. She liked the word fuck, although Norman never had. The way his face used to scrunch up when she said it to him. Moira, the trick-or-treater warned. You don't have time for reminiscing. She chose not to dwell on the discomfort of having him inside her mind in favor of finding a weapon. But where the fuck were they? Taylor was squealing something she didn't care to listen to. She didn't want to kill him, but they would soon be out of time. And if she did nothing, whether or not he killed her, Riley was in danger. Moira dragged herself out of the chair and looked around the room. It was still difficult to see, with the only lighting coming from the ball conjured by the trick-or-treater. But they were surrounded by boxes of all shapes and sizes. Taylor leaped up from his chair and dove headfirst into the box behind him, digging like a dumpster diver in search of cast-off treasures. Shit, she had to get a move on, or he'd kill her with whatever he found. Moira started with a box on her left, plain cardboard on the outside, unassuming enough. As she dug through a pile of moth-eaten clothes, a sharp edge bit into her palm. She cried out. Upon further, much more hesitant inspection, she discovered the source of the wound, a Japanese samurai sword. That's a katana, Norm corrected in her head. Moira didn't have time to smile. She wrapped her fingers around the base of the sword and pulled just as Taylor came sprinting toward her with a hatchet in his hands. The metal glinted as he brought it down, right as Moira darted out of the way. Jesus, Taylor! Stand still! He lifted the hatchet and swung it down again, with Moira only narrowly dodging it this time. She was close enough to hear the whoosh of the blade as it came down past her face. As she ducked to the side, so did Taylor. His third hit struck her shoulder. White-hot flames lit Moira's muscles and leaked pain down her arm. Warm blood dripped off her elbow. Jesus, fuck, that hurt. Movement caught the corner of her eye, and she whirled around, still clutching her injured shoulder. Taylor raised the hatchet again. She had to get out of his way. Still carrying the sword, Moira fainted left. Taylor took the bait and swung. She moved right, raised the sword, hesitated. The light went out. 
Moira couldn't see one inch in front of her face. Distantly, the trick-or-treater's claws clicked against the hard surface, dragged against it more like. Moira shivered. Moira. She jabbed with the sword, wincing as the blade bounced off the wall. It almost relieved her that she hadn't hit Taylor. Something rough brushed her calf. She jerked back, swallowing a cry. Something metal clattered to the ground, and Taylor yelped. Don't move, Taylor. Are we, we out of time? As brave and seemingly bloodthirsty as he'd been moments before, his voice shook. Hatchet or not, he was only a kid. He had his entire life ahead of him, and she'd tried to kill him. Moira let go of the katana. It, too, clattered to the floor. What's up with turning the lights off, huh? Not fucked up enough as it is? I assume it would be easier for you to kill him with the lights off, the trick-or-treater said. That way, you wouldn't have to see him. Whose side are you on? Taylor countered. His voice had an edge to it that scared her, sharpened by fear into a pointed rage. It made him sound dangerous. She didn't think he had the strength to kill her, but fear could drive someone to do the unthinkable, and she'd let go of her weapon. I believe in leveling the playing field, the trick-or-treater said. Moira is, shall we say, more experienced in life, and Taylor has more energy. We correct this discrepancy with darkness. Moira swallowed. In theory, everything he said made sense. But all she could think about was that there must be something she'd overlooked. Something the trick-or-treater had overlooked. A loophole. Some way to save Riley without having to kill his brother. She had to pick up the katana again. Without it, she was powerless. There was still a chance Taylor would rediscover his bravado, would run toward her again with the hatchet raised would bring it down, and the trick-or-treater chuckled in the gloom, and Moira knew he'd been inside her head again. Shit, that was inconvenient. How could she try to find a loophole if he listened in on everything she thought? Get the fuck out of my head. Again, the trick-or-treater chuckled. Manners, Moira. But I would be remiss not to heed your request, as vulgar as you might have phrased it. All you had to do was ask. Moira gaped at him in the darkness, or at least she gaped in what she assumed was his direction. It was still impossible to see anything, and though the trick-or-treater had claimed he was just leveling the playing field, Moira couldn't understand how this could help her. Distantly, Taylor whimpered. Could he be afraid of the dark? Please, he said. Turn on the lights. The trick-or-treater's claws clicked together as he contemplated Taylor's request. Moira, what do you think? What did she think? This whole twisted game was a goddamn mess. It was ludicrous that this demon expected her to kill a child or the child to kill her. She would do almost anything to save Riley because she loved him, but she wasn't sure she could do this. Most of all, Moira thought she had already lost. She had to change her mind somehow, 
or else she really would. Find the loophole, she reminded herself. There had to be an angle she hadn't yet considered. Moira shuffled her feet. The point of the katana bit into her shin, and she fought the urge to cry out. Warm liquid seeped from the wound. Not too much, but not too little to escape her notice. The darkness heightened everything. Tentatively, she bent over and fumbled around for the handle, praying her fingers wouldn't graze the blade. At last, they closed around the fabric, the binding on the handle, and she pulled it up with both hands as she rose to a standing position. Moira. The trick-or-treater prompted again, and the idea came to her. If she could kill the trick-or-treater, she could end the game. She'd win without killing Taylor, and Riley would be safe. She knew next to nothing about the trick-or-treater's fortitude, although he seemed like a formidable foe. She had to give it a shot. Anything was better than plunging the blade into Taylor. Turn on the lights, Moira answered. She tightened her grip on the blade and widened her stance to give her more stability. Sweat trickled down the side of her neck. Her heart beat so loudly it threatened to deafen her, but she stayed grounded. She didn't have a choice. The trick-or-treater snapped his fingers and the lights flickered on again. Moira coordinated her attack with the fluorescent flash. She ran full speed, katana thrust forward like a jousting lance. Taylor gasped, eyes widening in horror, until Moira jabbed the sword into the trick-or-treater's gut. Shit! Taylor yelled. The trick-or-treater didn't flinch. He didn't scream, nor did he indicate that she had hit him. Instead, he wrapped his clawed fingers around the blade and looked right at Moira. The twisted grin he produced was the worst thing she'd ever seen. Well now, isn't this exciting? Moira trembled, but she didn't let go of the handle. If she did, she was afraid he'd turn the blade on her. Taylor crept closer to the scene, face ashen. He was trembling, too, even as he reached out to take the sword from Moira. She shook her head vehemently. You're not responsible for this. Taylor, if anything happens, it isn't polite to speak about others as though they aren't there. The trick-or-treater chimed in. He was still holding the blade, still the picture of tranquility, even with the sword sticking out of his stomach and his black blood dripping from the wound onto the floor. I wonder if you two have forgotten your manners. Fuck you, Taylor spat. Moira had to agree. Though she couldn't find the words, all she could focus on was the blood, the way it poured from the trick-or-treater's stomach, even though the wound was technically still sealed up. The trick-or-treater flexed his claws, and his grin widened. The blade slipped out of Moira's hands. Taylor! Moira shouted. The blade shot backward out of the trick-or-treater's stomach and whirled around to point at Taylor. He reacted a second too late. Moira stared in horror as the black, blood-stained tip pushed into Taylor's chest. He stiffened, limbs flying out, mouth open, eyes the size of galaxies. Then his body dropped. It made a sick thwack as it landed. Moira turned her head and puked. When she turned back, the trick-or-treater hunched over, holding his hat in his hands. 
He had the decency not to grin. Oh, dear, he said. This is less than ideal. If she weren't so afraid, she would have smacked him. Less than ideal? A child is dead. You fucking killed him, you son of a bitch. If I hadn't, you would have. I wouldn't have, she insisted. You've been inside my head. You must have known I wouldn't. The trick-or-treater twisted his hat in his hands. He was having trouble looking Moira in the eye. Well, this presents a challenge. She wrangled the urge to strangle him. What are you talking about? The rules of the game were clear. To save Riley, there must be a sacrifice. He paused, as though waiting for her to remember the rules. One of you must kill the other. But we can't now. Taylor's dead. Realization dawned on Moira, eclipsing the fear. You killed him. That's the loophole. So it would seem. If Moira's search for a loophole upset him, it didn't show. He was so lost in contemplation, he paid her no mind. She could have attacked him then. Taylor's hatchet lay on the floor close to his body. If she leaned forward a little, unfortunately, he said, Riley must perish. All the blood drained from Moira's face. Like hell he must. What are you talking about? I played your stupid game. Taylor, well, that means I won. Those were your rules, remember? Alas, Moira, that isn't the case. The trick-or-treater clicked his tongue. Neither of you did as I asked, as I required of you. So there is no winner. And as there's no winner, you forfeit Riley's life. I'm afraid those are the rules. Moira's stomach roiled. There had to be another way. She had to save Riley somehow, or Taylor had died for nothing. She refused to lose Riley refused to let his mother bury both her sons. Take me instead, she pleaded. The trick-or-treater hesitated. That wasn't part of the deal. You only forfeit your life if the other participant takes it. As the other participant is dead, there is no reason for your life to end. His logic and politeness made her want to tear her hair out. Taylor shouldn't have died, I didn't kill him. Doesn't that change up your shitty rules somehow? Again, he hesitated. His face twisted up as though he were in pain. I concede that Taylor's departure was unnecessary, given the game's aim. Reckless, even. However, there must be some punishment for you. The trick-or-treater looked pointedly at the hole in his gut. You also broke the rules. You never said I couldn't attack you, she argued. His mouth twitched. Fair enough. Hmm. What do you think I should do to you, Moira? What sort of fate would be fair? Moira's tongue sat like lead in her mouth. How is she supposed to make such a strange decision? The question wasn't one she'd planned for. He wasn't in her head anymore, so she wondered if she could just 
throw something out there. Something far from fair in terms of extremity. Or, perhaps, he already knew what he would do to her, and he was just playing another sick game? Tick-tock, the trick-or-treater said. Moira swallowed, hard. If Norm were here, he'd have the perfect idea. He was always so wise, her Norm, even when he was being silly. The last time they'd watched Groundhog Day together, he'd said, Groundhog Day? Yes, that was the answer. It was the only way for her to atone while still playing homage to her husband. It was the only way to make sure Riley's mother got her son back and got to keep Riley too. Moira didn't look forward to that fate, but she accepted it. She gave the trick-or-treater a watery smile. Have you seen any Bill Murray movies? When Moira came to, sweat drenched her clothing. Sunlight streamed through the blinds and birds chirped outside. Jesus, she felt like a train had run her over. Out of habit, even after a year, she rolled over to look at Norm's side of the bed. She smoothed the hand over the blankets and sighed. Miss you more than ever, hun. Outside, the distant hum of a mower pierced the air. She must have slept in much later than usual. A glance at the clock on her nightstand confirmed her suspicions, and she groaned. That would teach her to go through a bottle of wine by herself. Pain flared in Moira's shoulder. When she reached for it, the feeling vanished. She checked under her shirt. Nothing. Must just be part of getting old. It seemed like a nice day, what with the birds chirping and the sunlight and all. Maybe she'd crawl out of bed and do something fun for a change. Bake some cookies to give to the neighbor's kid, Riley. Maybe he'd share with his overworked mother. Poor Adrian worked more than she was home, and Moira recognized her exhaustion. An hour later, saw her dressed and pulling fresh cookies from the oven, the smell filling the house like a bug bomb, albeit a delicious one. While she waited for the cookies to cool, she slipped on her shoes and went outside to fetch the paper. Moira kicked spilled candy corn off her front step, the remnants of another weeknight massacre, this time all in the name of a holiday. She'd stopped keeping track of the holidays. This spooky tale appears in Brianna Morgan's collection, The Trick-or-Treater and Other Stories, copyright 2020. It was used here with the permission of the author and publisher.